0: Welcome to the OKC First Church of the Nazarene podcast. At OKC First, we are learning to do three things. Friendship with God, friendship with one another, and open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit okcfirst.com. Yep, so we are in a sermon series entitled, This is Our Story. And... I have chosen to take the next several weeks, with just one week's exception there in the middle of it, kind of, but the next several weeks to walk us through a highlight reel of the book of Revelation. And that may come as welcome news to you, or you might be now Googling the addresses of other churches. I understand. Because the book of Revelation, is it's tough stuff. We, we talked about this this morning in our Sunday school class, the book of Revelation, for many of us... Is a little bit like the weird uncle that we don't invite to the family gatherings. (laughs) I mean, it's there at the end. (laughs) Was that a weird uncle laughing? I don't know what that was. But we have this book. It's included in the canon of Scripture. But is there any book that we avoid with more intensity than this book? Now, perhaps with some good reason, actually. Perhaps it's with good reason that we avoid This book. I believe I'm ready to go here almost. Uh, Because uh, this book regularly features images like this. Now, this is a guy who has gone out and he is walking his dog innocently enough, and then, for whatever reason, the R word happens, and that poor dog is left to its own devices, right? You can even see this guy has been raptured and and his dog is there just sort of looking at his shirt and pants and shoes that are laid out just perfectly. So I'm not sure what he's doing for clothes now, but he doesn't have those clothes. Folks, the word rapture never occurs in the book of Revelation. Not once. Not once. Matter of fact, the word rapture does not occur in scripture. Well, this many times at least, none. In fact, in fact, I would say this to us. When we avoid the book of Revelation like we do, and for the reasons that we avoid the book of Revelation, I would submit that we perhaps are turning our backs on a book that has the most to say to us about how it is that we go about being the church, there are incredible resources for us here, and, and if we are interested in any level, and, and being the church, and being on this winning side, we need the book of Revelation to help us think through the issues as they stand today, to help us to know what faithfulness looks like. But you cannot get there if your working assumption about the book of Revelation, and perhaps even about Scripture, goes something like this. God will someday take all the good people away from here and just leave all of this to, I guess. Bond combusts that storyline is not just not in Scripture but it is foreign to the nature and the character of God in fact all we have to do is read to the end which we will now not all this morning <laughs> we will read to the end and in the end this is what said I am coming to make all things new And it's important that you hear that it's to make all things new and not all new things. That's really important. Now, if this is where you kind of start, well, I can can understand. And then it's not just that, right? But it's this awful, awful, awful movie that was used like a weapon against many of us in the 70s and the 80s, okay? A Thief in the Night was sort of Thursday night programming at youth camp. Amen? How many of you saw this movie in any way attached to a youth camp? Ready, go. I am so sorry. We probably should pay for their counseling bills. So I have a former general superintendent here. Can we find money to pay for the therapy? Did you know that this is actually one of a three movie trilogy? I guess that's what you call that. There was Thief in the Night, and there was Distant thunder, and then the mark of the beast, and all equally horrifying, and, I would submit, equally not in the Bible. But that hasn't stopped us as a society and as a culture. It hasn't stopped us, because there seems to be a fascination, not just with the book of Revelation, but with end-time scenarios, or are you familiar with this tragic turn in Nicolas Cage's career, (laughs) known, known as left behind now I need to probably at this point apologize but he does look like he's taking a turn for the worst doesn't he? he's like what am I doing that's what this, this movie poster simply says there are some of you who are deeply committed to this mindset hear me if you'll stay with us to the end of this conversation what you will hear emanating from this platform, from me and the other voices, <laughs> will be a deep, deep, deep conviction that God is God, that Christ has won, that we are on the winning side, and that, and that we have a role to play in the announcing and the embodying of this victory. I promise you, you'll hear about a bigger God. A bigger God who is capable of winning. I think that may be the biggest problem I have with the other mindset. It seems to, to put out there this worry and this concern that man, this thing is gonna get beyond God and God's not gonna be able to do anything about it. And here's the really good news though. God has done all that God needs to do about it and God will in fact use his people and God will in fact finish what God has started and all God's people said And we have to be a part of that process because if you are embodying faith, but it's the faith that says, man, we have to stay within our four walls so that we can wait here just long enough for God to scoop us out with the rest of the good people, that's a different life of faith than the one that God is going to insist upon in the pages and the chapters and the stories of the book of Revelation. So stay with us. And in fact, uh, now this is the image that we used last time we went through. This is the image that we use quite a bit. We're not going to do all the same things that we did before. We, we worked, worked through this five years ago at another point at which I really thought was important that we have a discussion about ecclesiology. What does it mean to be the church? What do we do day in and day out, week in and week out? What is God doing with us and through us? And so we said several years ago, well, in order to read the book of Revelation, you need to have the right lenses on, and we handed out 3D glasses, and and a lot of you were here, and in fact, I have this beautiful picture of a lot of people wearing 3D glasses, and you just haven't lived until you've seen Gerard Tashtian in 3D glasses. (laughs) It's great. And and similarly, I I want to give us some lenses that I think you're going to need in order to work with us through The book of Revelation and here's the first one these lenses are number one 3d lenses in other words here and now if you go to a movie a three-dimensional movie they will in fact give you lenses so that you can appreciate the imagery and appreciate the fact that this imagery seems to be coming at you or is around you we do a terrible thing to the book of Revelation when we flatten it out we make it two-dimensional and we push it way into the future the book of Revelation isn't so much about what will happen as much as it's about what happens all the time. Matter of fact, you're gonna hear this word prophecy and you're gonna do yourself a disservice if you unprophecy simply as prediction. I'm not saying it's completely devoid of any word about the future, but I would say this to you, and this is the analogy, the analogy you've heard me use a lot of times if you've been here for any length of time. It's not just about prediction, though. That kind of prophet, the one who knows the future, that's the guy you want to take with you to the horse races, right? But a prophet, a prophet, a biblical prophet, you take that prophet with you to the horse races, that prophet with his or her head and hands will say, this will ruin a life. This will ruin a household. This will ruin a society. That's what prophets do. So it's not not a word about a future, but that future is connected and demonstrates the ramifications of the present. So while these are words of prophecy, please understand that they are words about the current state of affairs then and the current state of affairs now. If the book of Revelation is not for you about the here and now, then you are going to miss it. Oh, I got an amen. Let's go. All right. And it's apocalyptic literature, (laughs) which means you have to read it as apocalyptic literature. If you remember, years ago, what we did is we had uh, Dr. Mark Riegert, and he's gonna do this a couple times for us, not every week, but a couple times for us over here. We asked him to read the scripture at the keyboard over here. We just put the words in front of him, and he played what he saw and felt because he's an artist. This is not a book that you come to with your adding machines. This is not a scientific treatise. Listen, some of you read science fiction. Some of you read romance novels. Some of you read sports pages, and some of you read cookbooks. But you all know what you're reading, and you know how to read it as you get there. If you are reading your cookbook, right, and then science fiction sort of just interferes, that's going to be one strange recipe right? You know what you're reading as you get there. This is apocalyptic literature, and we'll talk more about this in a second, but apocalyptic literature is very closely connected to what I said earlier about prophecy. Apocalyptic literature says there is something going on here that you may not be aware of, just behind the facade, just behind the curtain. And we need to talk about what's going on behind the curtain, behind the facade. And people, this is the most important part. And we're gonna get into this. But this story, I think, it's actually a letter. But I think the letter perhaps can be encapsulated in the first five words that were read to you today. The first five words of the book of Revelation go something like this. The revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, hear this, Christ is to be revealed. Well, what about this Christ? Well, that he wins. That was completely unfulfilling right there. Your reaction to that, that's big stuff. That is huge stuff. How many of us live our Christian lives as if we're on the winning side? The truth of the matter is Christ shows up. That's what we're gonna see. Christ shows up and seems to say to John, I have a message for the churches and the churches need to live as if and worship as if and walk around as if they are in fact on the winning side, Jesus says, because, Jesus says, I did win. There is the resurrection. God's future has come crashing into the present and so God's future is now, the kingdom is now. Now, of course it's not yet, because we're not finished. I mean, look at the news. I mean, just look around. I mean, just look perhaps at your own life. We're not all the way there yet, but what God has needed to do to use us and help us to move all of creation by our faithfulness toward God's intended dreams and hopes and plans. God has done that in Christ. We've won, we are winning, and we will win. That's better, that's better, that's better. Because some of the churches in that particular neck of the woods way back when didn't necessarily believe that At best, they offered half-hearted amens to the assertion, to the suggestion, that God in Christ has, in fact, conquered sin and death and started all of creation back toward restoration. Some of them did so because of all of the pain. They couldn't quite see clearly enough The movement of God because of all the pain. Perfectly understandable. But that's why we gather and that's why we need, as we gather, these kinds of words to remind us what we're about. Okay. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. It's probably not the Apostle John. There's lots of reasons to believe that it was not the Apostle John, principally because he doesn't refer to himself as the Apostle John. And apostles in Scripture most likely are referring to themselves as apostles. This would referred to himself as a prophet. The timelines don't match up. The language doesn't match up. In other words, what's being said here is being said to a person who has a message for all of these churches a really important message for all of these churches. And he gets this message while he's worshiping. John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Now, here's this word, revelation. Again, revelation is a translation of this Greek word, apocalypsis, which has in mind the pulling back of the veil to reveal ultimate truth. See, The facade was the great and powerful Oz with the green smoke and and this guy and all all of the sounds and all of that. It took Toto, recognizing that there was something more going on, to go back and pull back the curtain. You see, the great and powerful Oz. Perhaps we can see this as the Caesars and the kingdom, the empire, the Roman empire, which functioned in ways to make sure that there was a facade between them, between them and the reality. What John is doing and what Christ is doing through John in the book of Revelation is pulling back this curtain to reveal, to reveal the truth. All right, you guys can work out that sound thing for me because the last video I have is meaningless without the sound. You guys got that going? Okay, here we go. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins, this is a great statement of faith in Christ, by his blood, and then makes us to be a kingdom priest, serving his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay, the book of Revelation is a letter. The book of Revelation was meant to be carded from church to church to church. And this was the intention that somebody, perhaps by candlelight, would sit and read to a gathering of people. Who knows how many people? Maybe as few as 10 or 15, maybe 50, 60 or more. But most of the people would hear it and not read it. Which works pretty well for apocalyptic literature, which is kind of out there and and image rich and symbol rich and all that kind of stuff. In fact, what I wanna do now is I wanna read you a whole chunk I really wanna read you a whole chunk of, of scripture here from this first chapter of Revelation, and I actually don't want you to turn to it. I mean, I guess you can if you want to, but I actually just want you to sit there and receive it, and if your eyes shut so that you can imagine it more and more and more, that's fine because it's apocalyptic literature. It's trying to reach you through all of your senses and through your imagination, trying to pull back the veil placed there by the empire and by the Caesars to reveal something bigger and better and larger. the Caesar so I'm going to start reading here in verse 9 I John your brother who share with you in Jesus the persecution and the kingdom and the patient endurance was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus perhaps he was being disciplined by the Roman Empire excommunicated verse 10 I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write in a book what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, I saw one like the son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white as white wool, white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. I hope that you're trying your best to imagine this scene. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined as in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining with full force. So while this person, while John was there ready to worship, the strangest thing happened. He got there and he was ready to worship and in the midst of his worshiping, this is the strange part, Jesus shows up. In all of his indescribable glory, this is the best he can do. But shows up, and doesn't just show up, but shows up armed with a message that is meant for the seven churches. Probably a good time to say to you that the number seven has great symbolic meaning throughout the book of Revelation. The number six has great symbolic meaning. And you'll see that, you'll hear that crop up from time to time. In fact, six means not there a fake a sham evil broken imperfect incomplete as opposed to the number seven which carries with it this sense of all total completion in other words a message given to the seven churches in ephesus or the seven churches in asia it's probably not just to those seven churches because we think there were more churches than that But to say that we have a message for the seven churches is akin to saying, I have a message, Jesus says, for all the churches. All the churches everywhere and at all times, including the one that gathers at 4400 Northwest Expressway most every week. I have a message for the seven churches. I have a message for all the churches. And the message always starts with this. You are my people. You are the tangible expression. You are my body and you should act like that you are on the winning side. So Jesus shows up in all of his resurrected glory. John's reaction is not a surprise. Verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he placed his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last, (laughs) and I am the living one. I I was dead, and see, I am alive forever and ever, and I have the keys of death. And of Hades. Don't be afraid John. You have fallen at my feet in sheer terror. Don't be afraid. My size and strength, <laughs> my size and strength are on your side. I have a message that I want you to deliver to the churches and it's that my size and strength are on their side too. That does not mean, that does not mean Things are going to be easy. That does not mean that you're going to like everything. Wow, this is is a dangerous thing, and I've seen it several times this week. Christians have the uncanny ability to experience something and not like it and think that in their not liking it, they're hearing from God to go do something else. That could not be farther from the gospel truth. There will be, you can't listen to this book and not hear that there will be suffering because of faithfulness, because of covenantal faithfulness, there will be suffering. But it's in those moments of suffering because of covenantal faithfulness that the gospel does its greatest work. Now write what you have seen, what is, and what is to take place after this now the book of revelation is just chock full of symbolism and sometimes we have some idea of what's going on dr Taschen has written a, a fantastic a fantastic commentary Uh, And I'm going to make that available to you and to your, um, you can download it off of our website, you'll be able to, but I'm going to make it available to your Sunday school teachers. If teachers, if you want to make this a part of your uh, class discussion over the next several weeks, you're certainly welcome to. There are discussion questions included in all of that. If you don't want to, that's okay, but it will be available to you. And sometimes we have some idea of what these symbols actually mean. Sometimes we really do. And sometimes it's a little bit more murky. And then sometimes (laughs) the book comes right out and says, okay, here's what this means and here's what this means. For example, verse 20, as for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. We'll talk a lot about angels next week. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Let me say this. This is the reason I believe that this book has so much to offer us in this category of ecclesiology. In other words, how we do what we do as the church. What's the theology of the church? What should we be busy doing? What are we about? What are we trying to do? How do we define success? Those are all questions of ecclesiology, As we have pushed this book to the side, as we have excommunicated this book, we have robbed ourselves of incredible rich and deep resources. And I think we're worse because of it. We're going to try as best we can to be faithful and to bring this back to the canon and to listen to it all over again. Because I do think we will be a better outbreaking of the kingdom if we will listen to what Jesus has to say through John to all the churches, including us do we know whether or not we're good okay we do know there is a song launched in creation see all of that Genesis stuff you may not know this but but my Old Testament professor taught me that that Old Old Testament stuff was written like a hymn there's some music in creation and I like to think of it like this that that song authored by God, is carried on throughout all of the pages of Scripture, and perhaps all of the pages of history. But from day one, God seems to have been willing to share the responsibility for the song with God's people. God has always been ready and willing and able to incorporate God's people into the production of the song, if you will. I think we see this song probably see its highest note in the person of Christ, the Christ event, the death and the resurrection of Christ. That song is at its best, but even so, even then, and then after that, the song is still offered to the people of God in the hopes that the people of God would join in the music, would join in the singing and in the playing of the song in the hopes that we could teach the world the song. This clip is the best I've ever found. Um, some of you will have seen it before, but the best I've ever found, that puts some image to this concept that there is a song that God chooses, that God chooses to make available to us, that God makes space. God seems to make space for us to come in and participate in the playing of this song. And we will move to a time of response after this, but I want you to see this and recognize that I intend for it to communicate to, to, communicate to you what it is that God hopes for us as we work through these hard pages in the book of Revelation. This invitation to the music. Thank mm-hmm. you. That that perhaps we might not first think of. I, I want to use this word, worship, to describe what we've just seen there. And here's what I mean. You're built for worship. You're built to worship. That does not mean that you'll always worship God. <laughs> but when we worship authentically and appropriately. We are shaped then for participation with God in the dreams and the hopes and the purposes of God. That's what we do when we gather here. We rehearse, we're rehearsing. Everything we do is rehearsing. This posture, this life of authentic worship, that's what we do here in the hopes that even outside of these walls, we are faithfully playing the song of life. You are made for worship but some of you are not currently worshiping the God we see most clearly reflected in the resurrected Christ. Be careful because you will become, in some sense, what you worship. Old Testament prophets were clear about that. My people, says the prophet, mourning as the voice of God, my people have worshiped worthless idols and have themselves become worthless. I don't need to look at the Old Testament to see that sometimes when you worship money, you become something other than what God wants you to be. When you worship power, you become something other than God wants you to be. When you worship yourself, you become something other than what God wants you to be, and you sing a very different song. It's not whether or not you're worshiping something. (laughs) The question is whether or not you are worshiping the God Seen most clearly in the face of the resurrected Christ. And so we gather to rehearse. We gather to rehearse in lots of different ways. We rehearse by singing. We rehearse by giving. We rehearse by greeting. We rehearse by listening. And we rehearse by joining at this table Because, against all the other noise out there, we really, really are intentional here (laughs) about making sure that we are, hopefully as this giant, beautiful school of fish, moving in concert, living lives of authentic worship, worshiping the one true God. If you're gonna help us with this part of our rehearsal today, please come forward and help us. Heavenly Father, God bless these elements. And by this bread and by this cup, Lord, strengthen us to be something more than we would have been otherwise. Move us closer to that place where we can authentically play the song that you've taught us to play. By our participation at this table now, God, would you target those things in our minds and hearts that are evidence, indications that we are worshiping something or someone other than you? And God, would you allow us to see in the broken body and the shed blood, would you allow us to see another invitation, another invitation to grace, that will allow us to start where we are. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand and exit your pew to the left and come forward. You'll come forward and come, please, with your hands cupped, because remember, it is grace. You were given this as a gift. Don't try to grab it, steal it, pay for it, charge it. You can't do it. As you approach the person with the bread, that person will break off a piece of bread, place it into your hands and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And then take that piece of bread and dip it into the cup. That person holding the cup will say, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you. Dip that bread into the cup, take it right then and there, eat it and know that in a little way you are going to be moved toward that place where you, like your Savior, can be taken, blessed, broken, and given and then after that you have a decision to make you can circle right back around and go back to your seats and you're welcome to do so or you can find a place to pray perhaps you need a prayer for healing And if you do need a prayer for healing you need to come to one of these side altars what kind of healing well we believe in the prayer for physical healing but we believe that that prayer works for scars that are emotional or mental or relational if you have a fracture that needs to be healed please find a place at one of these padded altars and someone will pray with you. Or you may want to come to one of these altars, these mourners' benches, these kneeling benches. Uh, Prayers of all kinds are always welcome here, but you'll find this. Someone will touch you on the back, on the neck, on the head to remind you that you never pray alone. You are not alone. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took this bread, blessed it, and he broke it, and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. And every time you do this, including today, remember me. In the same way later on, he took the cup and he held it before them and he said, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. And every time you receive this, Every time you drink of this cup, remember me, and that includes today. If you can't come to us, but you would like to participate, just slip up a hand and Jason or Brittany or somebody will find you. If you choose not to participate today, that is certainly, you are not going to be coerced into participating. Well, then who is this for? Well, we practice an open table here, in other words, all who are aware of their need for this kind of savior and this kind of grace no matter what you did this morning or last night if you are aware of your need you are welcome at this table of grace and now across the sanctuary if you would stand exit your pew to the left and come and receive these gifts that cannot Father, we confess, confess that we too can be intimidated, (laughs) uh, intimidated away from faithfulness, covenant faithfulness. We confess, God, that we can be confused and distracted away from covenant faithfulness. We confess, God, that we do not always live as if we are on the winning side. We confess that we need to see the resurrected Christ on a regular, regular basis so that we can stay encouraged and emboldened. We confess, God, we need you. Father, would you hear us as we bring to you the names and the stories and these faces of folks that we know to be in pain and suffering? God, would you would you hear us and give us that deep sense that you are in fact already involved? God, shape us to be involved. We continue to pray for Betty Fain ask God that you would bring strength to her body bring her back as soon as you can perhaps you also are aware of folks that are in need of a prayer for healing I would encourage you to pray a prayer for healing yes for those people who are suffering physically but also for those folks whose relationships are in peril would you pray that prayer as well like to ask your church to pray for our workers our pastors we're so grateful for Mike for Zach and for all of those who volunteer would you pray for them but also pick out a kid or two or ten and pray that they would be able to see what a life of authentic worship might look like also for our college students, many of whom are, are starting this week. God, we pray for our school. We pray for the students that are attending other schools here in the area. We pray, God, the same prayer, that here at this place, that there would be such an environment of authentic worship. That they would be grown perhaps without even knowing it, would you draw them to this place, draw them to you, and shape them and us, shape us, God, so that we can, even as we leave this place, testify, testify to the power and the victory of the resurrection. Father, we close this time of prayer with the prayer that Christ taught his disciples to, pl- to pray. And again, God, we pray it in the hopes that someday we will so deeply mean it. That more than it is a prayer that we pray using our mouths, it will be a prayer that we embody with our hands and feet. So church, we pray toward that day. So I want invite you now to pray this prayer along with me